you're listening to the Lucas Askew Experience. Now, here's your host, the one and only, Lucas Askew. Hello world, Lucas Askew with the Lucas Askew Experience. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to get into the hard-hitting subject, but it's a special one today. It's 2016, your presidential election. Now, people people ask me, as you may know, I am from Canada, and what's it like? What's it like experiencing this election? You have Trump, the most hated man maybe ever in history, against Hillary Clinton. Maybe the most hated woman in all of history. So you have these two polarizing figures. And as an international that I am, um, I'm a little conflicted. I I will be honest. I look at these two candidates, and it makes me a little nervous for the future of this country. And and not not by anything, okay, maybe it is their own accord, uh, some of the things that they've done, but what really irks me and confuses me with the, the American culture. I grew up, um, and what I think of as the president, president of the United States, um, I basically base everything off of Air Force One, uh, Harrison Ford, I believe it's an early 1990s movie, of what the president of the United States should be. Um, and... Obviously, this is the most powerful man or woman um, on almost the, this planet. And it really, it's, it's hard to fathom that any one of these individuals, whether it be Mr. Trump, um, whether it be Ms. Clinton, will assume that position and have that same bravado, that same swagger, that same kick-butt attitude as Her- Harrison Ford did in Air Force One. But as the election looms uh, just days away, I really wanted to kind of think back and reflect over these two candidates um, and kind of prep people before you hit the polls. Um, You've probably read a ton. Um, Hillary Clinton has has a checkered past. There's no denying that. She's been in politics for most of her life, met uh, some, one of the greatest... um, Arguably, one of the greatest presidents, uh, Bill Clinton, also one of the most controversial. Um, but B- Bill Clinton had a standard, and he constantly would would go after that. And um, I actually met Bill uh, at the University of Arkansas. I spent some time with Bill, uh, shook his hand, and really felt like, yes, this is this is a good man. This is a man that you can trust and feel that everything's going to be okay. Um, and if you believe anything of what I just said, that's the problem. The problem is with this society, you can say almost anything and there's no fact checkers. There's no one actually checking the facts and holding you accountable. Her, Hillary Clinton's opponent uh, Donald Trump has done a masterful job of creating a persona and making people believe whatever he says. Most of the things we know aren't true. You can look at the fact checks. You can you can talk to people. Um, anyone that that goes into deep 
depth, whether it be your John Olivers, uh, your Trevor Noah's of the Daily Show, they will demonstrate that what he says is not true. But you have to commend a man who understands his shortfalls, has very little to no political uh, upbringing, but he's a businessman. He's a salesman. And what that is, it's all about pulling the heartstrings. And he is evoking feelings in people. And those feelings are, are just bringing out a side of the American culture and the American people that is a little, it's, it's baffling to me, but it's part of human nature. When you evoke those feelings and you bring up this kind of burden and just overall steam, yes, you don't, you start thinking without, without your head and you let your heart dictate uh, your overall conscience. So I know I'm rambling on this a little bit, but before you go to the polls, um, whether it be on election day in November, the common person, just think, think through this just for a, for a second. Um, at the inauguration in January 2017, uh, do you want to be turning on the television and seeing a president like Mr. Trump um, as the face of your nation? You, you look at kind of futuristic movies and futuristic ideals. This could be a demise of the United States of America. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Canadian and I always have a parachute that is called the country of Canada where I can go back to. But I really am worried at the overall state of this nation and its grip on being a superpower. There's already been chinks in the armor as years and decades have gone by. But this, this is something that, that could impact people and impact not just you, but your children and your children's children. And if you want to talk about heartstrings, when you start thinking about your children and your children's children, that should worry you. So, as a public address announcement, I can't vote. I have no say. I am one of those internationals that Mr. Trump wants to block out of this, this great nation. So I implore you, any person that can vote... In this year's election, I don't care what you think of Miss Hillary Clinton and what she's done or what she hasn't done or what emails have been leaked or why the heck she wouldn't have two, two separate email addresses. Whatever it is, I want you to pause, think about your children, think about your children's children, and also think about me. I don't want to go back to Canada yet. I want to live in this nation. So please, vote Hillary. That was, that was my rant for today. Um, I'm feeling, feeling a lot better. Um, but we, we've got a, got a great show. Um, we have a guest coming on board, um, Kate Nazarati, as you will hear um, a little bit later on in the show. I bring her on to talk not just Trump and Hillary, but just the, the issues that are, are facing uh, our society right now whether it be violence, um, whether it be police violence, whether it be just overall feelings of the economy, life, um, but also a little lightheartedness on the Lucas Ask experience. We're not all about uh, dark, deep topics. We're a little bit light as well. So, coming up after the break, 
our guest of the Luke Sassy Experience. Today's episode is brought to you by Trader Joe's, Hawaiian for quality food. If you've ever walked into a Trader Joe's, you will feel the difference compared to those other larger grocery chains. Trader Joe's prides itself on quality, fair trade products and delivers it at exceptional value for its customers. And let me tell you, they would not be making it on this show if I didn't believe in their quality. With the holidays around the corner, Trader Joe's is the perfect spot to stock up on all your favorite holiday snacks and goodies, including those succulent dark chocolate covered peppermint JoJo's. So after you finish listening to this podcast, make your way to your local Trader Joe's. And if you don't have one in your area, write to your local county representative right now and demand a store be opened. Trust me, it will change your grocery life. Welcome back to the Lucas Ask You Experience. We've got our guest here today, all the way from Detroit, Michigan, <laughs> Kate Nesratty. Oh, <laughs> it's funny. I, uh, how long have I known you? Three years? Two years? Okay. Listen, long enough that you should be able to say my last name. Try again. Ladies I'll and just, gentlemen. I'll just, you don't even need the European pronunciation. Just like the straight up American pronunciation. See, I, I like to call you Kate, Kate Maserati because then I would call you Maserati. But then I would always be wrong. So that's why I over, overcorrected and went Maserati. Maserati. It's like, okay, ready? Nasrity. Nasrity. Kate Nasrity. Ladies and gentlemen, she is uh, she's a humble one um, from 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 the Midwest, and uh, my actual comedy partner. The reason that I'm doing this podcast, one of the reasons, other than just CPI. my self self loathing ability that I have. Um, your humility is really what makes you want to hear your voice over. My humility. Um, so I brought Kate on today. Um, other than. She likes to talk, and yeah. I like to talk, so we can True. talk together. Uh, but really want to get her, her take on some of the things going on in our world uh, today. Um, so let's start. Everything's falling apart. Okay. It's all... This is actually supposed to be an uplifting podcast, so um, if you can Listen, turn that around. if you find something uplifting in the world events of today, like I actively try, I mean, well done, sir, but... Things are, I mean, there was this, that, in China, all those baby pandas were born. And then one of them fell off the little platform. Did you see that? I didn't see that. No. Oh, it was the cutest. He totally face-planted. But, like, you have to dig deep for the good stuff. Right now, it's, it's, I would overarchingly define it as Kate can't even. Like, I, okay. you kind of look around and you're like, how did we get here? I I don't understand. I think people are smarter than this, but maybe they're not, which even might scare me even more. Like, I don't, I think I'm a, I mean, I got straight A's in college, right? So like, um, I think I'm a decently smart person, but not like super incredibly smart. And I, I'm having so much trouble with where we are as a world because it's like I I gotta believe people know better than this but maybe 
They don't. Do you think, though, that you are feeling this way because you're older and kind of more aware with society? We could have been this messed up 20 years ago, and we just didn't care because that that wasn't our our focus. Like, that was um, our parents that were dealing with this. Yeah, no, it's an interesting question. And first of all, thank you for first calling out that I'm old. So that's really comforting. You're welcome. Lynn always loves to hear that. <laughs> we have something interesting. Okay, so this year was the 15th anniversary since 9-11. Okay. I know you're from Canada, but do you remember where you were on 9-11? I was. I was uh, in the playground of my elementary school. Yeah. I know exactly where I was. And that has officially now been, so I won't say how old, without saying how old yeah. I am. That's been half our lives. Where we, you kind of hinted at it a little bit, but yeah, continue. In, I mean, we've lived in this post 9-11 society. And I think I've seen the continual decline of trust um, of other people. I think we, we've grown so much more suspicious. I was crossing the Bay Bridge yesterday, or two days ago. We're driving across and we see a seaplane kind of near the bridge. Mm -hmm. And someone's like, oh, this is probably going to land in Sausalito. And I wonder what they're doing or blah, blah, My first thought when I saw the seaplane is they're going to fly it into the bridge. And, of course, the people I was in the car with were like, gave me like 12 reasons why they didn't do that. And it wouldn't actually cause that much damage. But how... That was actually a really sad moment to me, that that was my first thought. Mm -hmm. So are we just so suspicious and so continually looking around all the time now that like there is just this genuine mistrust of everyone around us because there's so many things. I Well, I think this could play a little bit to we know so much more now, like all of the different avenues of media that perhaps we didn't have 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm actually very grateful I grew up when I did because I didn't have a cell phone until I was a junior in high school. And now you have three-year-olds who have iPads. And so they you're constantly exposed to all these things that in the past you just didn't, you didn't have access to right there at the tips of your fingers. And so because of that, we're constantly consuming this information. And what information sells and what people read I mean above and beyond is the the negative mm-hmm. right like you can I mean there's a lot of psychological studies around this too where you can tell someone like three positive facts about someone and then one negative fact and what they're going to remember nine times out of ten is like the negative the fact ne- yeah. so you're not going to see how like the Paris um, 2020 climate change agreement is actually going to create some amazing change in this world and the great work being done um, by groups who are supporting pro bono volunteerism and they're changing the way people give back and their impact. And there is a lot of great work going on. I also think it's tough because you usually don't see that amazing humanity in those efforts, except for in the wake of disasters, right? Like that's when the worst and also the best of humankind comes out. So. It's a shame that we don't see it and don't acknowledge it more day to day because I, I think it is there, but I think we're so bogged down in the negative that it's that it's hard to have hope. I mean, what President Obama came into office eight years ago with the platform of hope, 
and here we are eight years later and I think we have uh, I don't know it's it's tough to say because I'm generally like pro Obama but I, I just feel like there's not a lot of hope like I think people are, have given up or just sort of reconciled them to this fact of things are always going to be this hard or this bad mm-hmm. so great great segue to where where we are at, at a current political climate of uh, we're not going to do a, a Trump Hillary type debate, oh. um, but I would because if you were pro Trump, <laughs> you would lose. Come on. Most of the online polls have shown that he may or may not have won the first debate. No, but um, kind of coming into this landscape, whether it be Hillary, whether it be Donald, no. Um, do you feel the other? Whoever it is will be able to impact change, unlike what pre- President Obama has done, just based on no. the circumstance. I feel like, though, at this moment, I'm Trump at the debate, just leaning into the microphone, everything you're saying, no, wrong, wrong. I like Hillary. I want her to be happy. It, uh, I, this so all falls under the cake can, even. I don't think... We'll, I don't understand how we got here. Um, I don't think anyone, either of these candidates, first of all, I don't, it's physically painful for me to try to imagine a situation in which Donald Trump becomes president. This to me is still... And I'll preface this with, if zip code aligned, if any zip code in America aligned with political beliefs, it would be mine, right? Like, I live in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and there's a partial reason for that. Um, but this whole Trump thing, it feels like a really bad dream that... I just wake up every morning thinking I'm going to wake up from this and it's, it's going to be a joke. He's mm-hmm. going to come out of this and say, if he loses, he's going to be like, well, that was a joke. This was a social commentary on how ridiculous the political system is. And um, I was smart. I played the system. I won. It was huge. You know, like there's going to be no eloquent way in which he gets... He comes out of this. Like, I don't believe he wants to be president. Like, he won't even consider, according to the interviews I've seen, like, putting his assets or his business into a blind trust while he's president. Like, he still wants to have a hand in that. He's a businessman. He's not a politician. He wants the idea of what the presidency can bring, but not the actual act of being the leader of this free world. No, I don't think he wants it. Um, and so you're just kind of left to wonder as to what his motivations are, but he doesn't. What really scares me is I don't think he has anyone's best interest in heart other than his. Mm -hmm. I think Hillary, I understand that like people are not super thrilled with her and she didn't, um, get people as excited as Bernie did. Um, but I think she's a much safer answer. 
And I'm not saying safe is like the best answer, but it's better than the alternative at this point. Even my father, who's like Mr. Conservative Republican, even he, I talked to him this summer, I don't think he can reconcile with Trump as well. And what's a shame is that you get people like my father and my brother who are like, I'm just not going to vote. Or I'm going to vote for a third party candidate. Not to put my brother, call him out, but that's totally what he told me he was going to do. Um, and that worries me because I don't know how that will influence the final outcome of this election. I also think, like I always say, I with this election, I just don't want us to end up in World War III. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think Donald Trump has attacked. He's just going to bulldoze people like he's done his entire life. And that doesn't work on an international scale. And I think it's also an extremely bad message to send to the rest of the world as to the character of the American people. Like, they're going to make a lot of assumptions about us based on and they, they, all, they already are in, in some yeah. circles. Oh, so absolutely. Like it, I think absolutely. The, it is starting to, starting to form. Yeah. Um, and if you look at, like, back in 2008, when it, I think it was, what, Romney, or who was he, who was Obama facing? In wasn't that uh, John Kerry? John Kerry's a Democrat. I am also Canadian. Um, oh, so, wow. Sorry. Uh, I, no, I, I, I will use that. Uh, no, it was Romney 2012, though? Maybe Romney. No, John Trump. McCain. John McCain. There you go. Well done. Um, and It was jo- John Kerry, George Bush. There you go. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. After Al Gore. I still like John Kerry. He's Secretary of State. People actually told me I looked like John Kerry. Oh, I don't see it. It was about 15 years ago or however long ago. I don't think I would look more like John Kerry when I was younger, but... I know. That seems a maybe little... Maybe I had a chin that was presidential. I mean... Or at least presidential nominee. Yeah, and now Secretary of State. So congratulations. Um, Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I. But people all around the world were like trying to convince Americans to vote for Obama. They were like, please. Like there was a bunch of viral videos everywhere that were like, please, please, please vote for Obama. Like this is going to do so much better for our world than John McCain or even in 2012 Mitt Romney. and here, I think the whole world's just kind of looking at us like, uh, really? Uh, it's almost as if they don't know what's to say and what's going on. And I think most of us, in so much as like, I know we're not middle America, but like middle America probably feels the same. Like, I think it's our politicians who have more uh, polarized where we are in government mm-hmm. than your actual American. Like, I think your actual American, like most of us are like, I want my government um, not to be corrupt. I want them to do a good job and be adults and work together and come up with productive solutions. I want to have a job at which I'm going to work hard. Um, I'd like to eventually be able to afford a house. Like, I feel like our goals, the most of us Americans, like we want to live good lives, but I think they're generally pretty modest goals, like just like anyone else around the world. Um, and I don't understand why there can't be a movement around moderate candidates. Like it's so polarized now that 
you either have to be so far in one direction or so far in the other direction, when in fact, that's really none of us. Because even though I'm a Democrat, I definitely can align with Republicans on certain issues and we'll be open to that. There was a great senator, um, Olympia Snow, who was a Republican, and she wrote this book called The Case for Common Ground. And she wrote that she actually quit the Senate because she found she could do much more work and get much more done outside of actually being out of that body. Um, And how sad is that? Like, I think people have so given up on the House and the Senate because they just look at them like five-year-olds who can't get anything done. So with that, I'm not a pro-Trump individual, but from a standpoint, I think what he has done is demonstrated some brokenness within our political system and that he has been able to rise to power. And if his lasting legacy is falls short in the actual election, but allows us as a nation to hopefully reshuffle some things around and kind of fix our Mm. political system a little bit. Um, I would consider that success. Like if, if that is what ends up happening and I don't think that's why he did or what he has done, what he has done. But if that's the lasting impact, um, I would consider it, a success because I think it will help the nation move forward and kind of see this is what we need to change with our world that is changing around us. That's interesting. I actually haven't considered that perspective. But who- I, I don't know if he has either, but um, like I, I think it no. would be that would be for me what success is, regardless of. I just, it it is very interesting because I just look at this as an embarrassing stain on America's history. And we've had a few. Who's going to create that change though? Like, yeah, it's one thing to highlight a problem. This is not the way I would hope one would choose to do that if that's your agenda. But then it's a whole other thing to fix the system. And the people you need to fix the system are not those who are drawn, who are like drawn to politics and to this type of public service. So I think, yeah, maybe this goes to just like him highlighting what's wrong, but then who's really going to diagnose and treat it? Or are we just going to know that it's messed up and continue on with the status quo because we're so far divided that we're just going to fight over how to fix it and then nothing's going to get done. Mm-hmm. Really uplifting conversation. <laughs> uh, speaking about uplifting, um, comedy. You, you talk about Kate Can't Even. Um, Kate Can't Even, the name of my future podcast. There you yeah. go. Um, so we we did a comedy show together. We did. Um, it was raucous. Moderately successful, Moderately I might successful. say. Um, Although we kind of cheated by having our friends there. I, I don't think that's cheating. Really? Uh, I think cheating is... Well, I was going to say like, pumping in fake laughs, but maybe the friends gave fake laughs. But I believe I, I believe there was genuine humor uh, that was created that I night. I paid them enough. They should have at least sounded like genuine laughter. Uh, the shower joke that you <laughs> shared, I think, was genuine laughter. Um, and shock. Yes. 
Sorry, this is a family uh, podcast, so we will we will not be okay. uh, sharing. Fair enough. That, no, no, no. Uh, I just on, I want to respect the rules. Experience, but um, so what? Uh, I don't want to say what what's next, but what did you, what did you take from that experience of mm. getting up on stage? So much. Um, it's really interesting because comedy and kind of doing improv and all that stuff started for me as an experiment in failure. I think I was really looking for an area in my life that I wanted to fail at and make failure okay. Like, see, like, this is failure, and I'm still alive, and I'm still able to continue. And then I started doing it, and I liked it, and I wanted to be good at it, which was almost the exact opposite of why I wanted to get into this in the first place. So it's kind of, to be honest, when you're up there and you're on stage, I mean, you can relate to this as, like, you kind of feed off that audience. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a little, when you get those laughs, it's kind of addicting. Like, it's very hard to think of, I've never been on illegal substance, but like, it feels like uh, this boost of energy. And um, I think what it really, really helps with is just um, all over confidence. Cause you're kind of being like, okay, here I am. Here I am on stage by myself. I'm in a very vulnerable place. And like, if you win over that crowd, I think that's a huge skill that not a lot of people have. Um, And I think it actually, the more and more I've talked to people after we did that stand-up show, they were like, oh, that was so brave. And at the moment, I don't even think I was thinking to be scared or that this is a really brave act. It was only afterwards people were like, yeah, I would never do that. Um, but I think you almost have to be, there's absolutely a personality and a type of person who is good at comedy and wants to do comedy. Um, and what I've learned since is, interestingly enough, like those are the type of people who, um, I don't want to say are dark, but have like darker places within them. Um, and are able to, they very much in their lives use comedy as a device. Um, so you're seeing the best comedians could be the ones with, I don't want to say a darker past, but yeah. use comedy as that lever to kind of take them out of their yeah. current state. I mean, you look at like the best comedians and they have depression and substance abuse issues and, uh, fractured marriages and they come from tough places and do you think that was started though with comedy or by getting into this it's like any other job or like say for example like when you're on a baseball team you're more apt to use smokeless tobacco uh, because it's kind of part of the culture do you think that by getting into comedy late nights kind of you're always at a bar like it's really by yourself and you're using the audience laughter as kind of your drug that that's what spurs people no. to get in that state. No, you think I think they're already there. I think having a tough life is more a catalyst driving you into comedy. Cause I think you're trying to make things better for yourself and you're trying to make things better for the people around you. And especially, I mean, the objective is com- of comedy is laughter, right? You want people to laugh. 
And that's sort of maybe one of the only reassurances that you've received in your life that you're doing well mm-hmm. and that things are okay. And you've sort of have some affirmation that you might have otherwise not have. Mm-hmm. So I think in a lot of ways it fills gaps in people's lives. Um, but it's like a drug in so much that you're always seeking more laughter. It's always not loud enough. It's always not cackling enough. Like you always want to make people... Laughter is something that you can't, in my opinion, you can't have too much laughter. Like the, whether it be for yourself and yeah. the, the feeling you get or with others, like creating that, you just feed off of that. Yeah. I mean, there's some people who have great laughs um, that you're just like, that you can't help but laugh, right? Um, but I think it's one of those... Do you, do you have such said laugh? I know, no, I, know, I don't. I know, I know I don't. you don't like your um, voicemail voice. But... I don't... I don't think I have a great... It's like an awkward laugh. Um, do you think that's why you're, you prefer making people laugh? Because your laugh isn't up? I think I have a lot of reasons for wanting to make people laugh. I think it comes from, well, this could be, I mean, if I have to pay you $150 for the hour, this may be my therapy <laughs> session for the week. But um, I I want people to feel comfortable, first and foremost. Like, I want people to be having a good time. And I think in the course of my life, when I've hit my darkest moments, I kind of look outside and I want to make sure others aren't where I am. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure things are good for them. So it's almost as if my place of healing is in lifting other people up and making sure that they don't have to suffer in the ways that I've suffered. Wow. So. Wow. We, uh, we've... So sorry, that was a really good comedy segment. But uh... Um, So are there, are there plans? Uh, I know you probably have... A huge social following now, but are there other plans for Kate Can't Even or Kate uh, Up on Stage Part 2? You know, I wonder if my life would have gone differently if I really would have like really pursued a career in performance, be a podcast, be a comedian. Um, I'm really afraid, we were kind of talking about this beforehand, but like I'm really afraid of being the funny girl, like funny in quotations, Mm -hmm. because I think that's an all encompassing, encompassing like stereotype. Like you can't be anything else if you're the funny girl. Like you, like you kind of look at how the media portrays like your, um, Amy Schumer, like she's just the funny girl, but that's it. That's kind of it. Um, and and that's kind of different on my, like I yearn for the days of being like the funny guy. Whenever at a party, whether it be like in my social circle, why like, though? It has a cachet and a a positive stigma is a negative term, but like a, a positive feeling to it. That uh, out of all things, you can make people laugh. You're doing something right. Were you a funny child? Uh, I I wouldn't say I was. I think I was a pretty serious individual. Um, but I always, in my head, I, I thought I was funny. Um, but I think it wasn't until high school that I started to actually kind of learn about comedy, mm-hmm. watched comedies, and kind of studied it a little bit more to really 
become funnier. Yeah. And I think I'm at my climax right now. Uh, it's actually all downhill from here. But um, yeah, I think that was always something that I wanted. I think kind of now, um, when I look, when I actually look back, part of me would have liked to pursue comedy at a younger yeah. age yeah. Um, and do it really kind of have that like be go my for focus. It. Yeah. But on the other hand, I kind of, I kind of like my comfort life and then dipping my toe into the water yeah, of it. It's lower stakes. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting that we're both fascinated by comedy because we are, um, I think we're both fairly serious people. Like, I don't think, I don't think growing up that I found myself funny. Like, I had to work very hard to become funny. Mm-hmm. And I think I, you know, it's easy to rely on, like, sarcasm or something that's, like, it's not a smart comedy. But I think there's something about being a serious person and thinking deeply about things that comedy is kind of an outlet. Um and I think for me, especially my day to day or kind of joking about my conference call voice, like I'm very, I think I'm pretty serious. And so it's like having an opportunity to be someone else and to act um, and to try to like envision what that would look like to um, live a different life mm-hmm. and, and go through a different path. And I think one more point on, on that, like when I see comedy as a way now I, I look at it as my bridge to relate to people I think I may not see eye to eye on certain political views or the way that you approach work is a little bit different than I am yeah. or just any any of the, the things but if I can make you laugh I feel that there's a bond that I'm creating between you yeah. And like that is how I get to know people and that's how I build relationships now is through humor. Do you and think when you're making someone laugh, is that for you or is it for them? I'd say there's, I don't want to say equal parts. Um, it isn't like baking, uh, baking, two teaspoons of this, two teaspoons You're a baker now? I am yeah. actually a huge baker. Is, um, is the next podcast your baking podcast? <laughs> yes. Um, someone from Martha Stewart's Kitchen will uh, actually be joining, joining me. That would be incredible. Um, it would be. I won't talk, but invite me to that one too. I'll just sample the food. You will sample it while, totally. while we do. Yeah. Um, what, uh, I forget, what, was, what was your question again? I, I just got, oh. I was daydreaming about banana bread. I know, so right? Yeah. Chocolate chip banana bread. Of, of course. For real, so. Yeah. Um, after being in the freezer for a couple minutes too, so it's like a little bit cold. Okay. Yeah. Just trust me on that one. We were talking about laughter, and is that for you or is that for, for the other person? For me or for someone else? I would say for the most part, it is for them first, but then by having them laugh and having them feel more comfortable, um, I think that is, that's when it comes back to me. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's first and foremost for them. Um, like I, I look at my fiance. Fiance! Wow. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's so good. That's weird to say. Um, but I think with her. You're used to it. Well, 
You're cute. Yeah. And then eventually you'll be, oh my gosh, what's going to be your cute little nicknames? Don't use the W word yet. Yeah. Woof. Woof. What? W-I. I don't know what a whiff is. A whiff. Whiff. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's actually kind of cute. I kind of love that. Um, first whiff. of all, get used to it. You're so lucky to have that woman in your life. Of course. And you gotta have like cute little nicknames. Like I love, I will always call my significant other babe. Babe? Babe. I love. Currently we use babe Babe, a lot. okay. Um, Babe's good. But I think we both use it. I think one, yes. would, I would like to create another one either for her or for me. To kind of differentiate, like yeah. if it's like babe this, babe this, like who knows who we're talking to. Um, so it needs to be like maybe like a cute version of her name, or like sing songy, or I'll help you home. Okay, yeah, yeah. You think about that. Yeah, um, but with her, um, I think her name's Julie. You'll uh, you'll get to know her a little bit more on the podcast. Um, <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Well, she's, she probably won't be a guest. Why? Uh, she should be. Well... There should be a wedding planning podcast. <gasps> yeah, so good. Maybe. Uh, it can be like, you guys can talk about your relationship and then like play parts of it at like some wedding functions along the way. Like, that'd be really sweet. I could interview you both. Oh my gosh, yes. I'm going to do this. Okay, so I'm going to interview you guys as a couple and like talk through different like experiences and highlights in your relationship and just kind of how you got where you are today and then you'll have that to catalog for sort of your whole marriage which is kind of lovely so when you're married for 50 years you can go back and listen to it you're like oh look at us in like our late 20s and like talking about our relationship like look how far we've come blah 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 you're welcome that was and initially i was a little skeptical no um, it's totally I think, I think it's adorable yeah there's Future podcasts. There's, get on board. Uh, get on board real quick. Because this is gonna happen. Um, but regardless, humor, comedy. I think it's a little bit of of both. Uh, but for me, it's seeing someone smile and someone laugh. It gives me the ultimate joy. I think I want them to have the emotions that I want to have. Um. Like you want to. It's almost as if paying something forward, but in a lot of ways, it's almost paying something forward that I don't even have. Um, you want to make someone's world different. Mm -hmm. You want to change their mindset. Um, or honestly, sometimes you just want to give them a break from real life. That's why I feel like a lot of comedians are actually different people than they are on the stage. Because you're acting. I mean, comedy in a big way is acting. Um, so you develop these personas um, where it gives you the chance to be someone that you're not. And for, you know, an hour or two, it gives people in the audience to be a chance to be someone they're not. Mm -hmm. um, and just kind of, I think part of the beauty of comedy is that uh, you don't really have the tough restraints around like what's PC and what's, I mean, a lot of comedy is inappropriate. And as much as you don't want to laugh, you're lawful, but mm -hmm. um, there just aren't the rules that there are in everyday life. Um, and you kind of know it. So even if you put your hand over your mouth to be like, I don't want to laugh at this, but I'm really laughing at this. Um, it's okay. And I think it, 
I think it's important in another sense for us all to be able to laugh at ourselves. Like, so you're not only laughing at a comedian, but I think there's a great deal of humility to be like, oh, mess that up. Like, way to go, Kate. Way to go, Lucas. Um, and then to come back from that. Um, I think that's a huge life skill to have. Um, so in some ways, we all need to be a little bit funny and a little bit just... And, and maybe you, you have tapped a solution to what we were talking about earlier, kind of today's problems. Maybe humor. Maybe humor is a bigger answer than we think. Maybe. I mean, it is the, in a big ways, I mean, it's an equalizer as well. Because some things you just all, like you look at SNL, and if you're, like I was saying that skit last week, if you're a Republican, you're going to laugh. And if you're a Democrat, you're going to laugh. And just like the ridiculousness of it, you, it just gives you a chance to be like, oh my gosh, okay, well, eh, let's just all laugh at this. And it kind of calms down uh, all the very strong emotions that are opposing mm -hmm. and just lets us be human for a minute. I think it's such a, um, such a great escape. Like when I went and saw Jim Gaffigan a couple weeks ago, I was like belly laughing and it was a pretty hard day. But then afterwards, I was just, I felt like so much better because it just allowed me to not think about other things, um, but just escape into this world where it was just this amazing dose of family fun comedy and Hot Pockets and XYZ. And um, I think we need more of that. So how do we infuse more comedy and more, and thus more humility and um, into, into people's lives. Probably a good question. Yeah. The answer, this podcast. <laughs> that's Which, right. Uh, it gets funny. That's right. You can subscribe to the Lucas Ask Experience on iTunes. Um, there will be more of these great discussions uh, in the next little bit. Kate, um, you've been great. You, you always You always have been great. Um, any last words to the adoring fans uh, or fan? My, I, mean, I think it's just my parents that listen to it right now. But My um, fans are your fans. Uh, maybe a little both. We can combine forces. Uh, I know you have a, quite the entourage after your comedy night, but um, <laughs> any lasting thoughts uh, that you'd like to give the masses before? You just really heard a bad version of my laugh, which is so embarrassing. Um, this isn't real life. <laughs> I don't know. Um continue listening to the podcast i'm lucas has a i'll be very intrigued to hear who you interview next and i'd love to eventually come back and talk about other topics too no so you you've you've been a great guest we will definitely uh, consider you for a future guest spot oh and really quickly michigan football team best in the nation so I just got to get that little she, She's a little, a little biased, folks. No, um, not biased. You, no, you, not you, biased. you're right. They, they, just correct. They are currently Facts. ranked number four in the nation, but Facts. have not played anyone yet. Wrong. Um, Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, Kate, it's been great. And Kate the Great? I don't, I don't know if we'll go there yet. What? I, Kate can't even, I think, is a good Kate start. Kate can't even. Yeah. All right. Kate can't even. This is Lucas Ask You. You're listening to Lucas Ask You Experience. That is our show for today. That is our show.
sorry. It, uh, it's been a long day. So uh, sometimes I'm going to knock it. Sometimes I'm, I'm going to struggle with it. But that is our show. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. As we, as we do in the Luke Sassic experience, we like to close on a high. Uh, we, we like to bring, bring the motivation. Um, I've always wanted to be a motivational speaker, but I guess I, I didn't have enough to talk about. So um, every week, I'm going to bring in some outside sources, and hopefully it, it brings a smile to your face, motivates you, um, and if at the very least, gets you out of a bad mood. So today, we're bringing in the great Tony Robbins. Um, side note on Tony Robbins, have you ever wondered why he claps so funny? Um, if you've ever, have you ever seen him perform, great performer, great in, in, in event space, brings a lot of energy, but he claps with just like the bottom palms. Uh, it's almost as if he has like sticky fingers. Um, I always thought that was weird, but anyways, Tony Robbins, um, a quote that I wanted to bring in. And it feels very apropos uh, for today's podcast. Tony Robbins says, live life fully while you're here. Experience everything. Take care of yourself and your friends. Have fun. Be crazy. Be weird. Go out and screw up. You're going to anyway. So you might as well enjoy the process. Take the opportunity to learn from your mistakes. Again, we're only given one life here, folks. We are all a little weird. We're all a little crazy. Um, embrace it. Go out, be who you are, screw up, it's going to be okay, and just live life for the, to the fullest. That's our show for today. Hope you enjoy Lucas Askew, Lucas Askew Experience. God bless. <laughs>